0: The reading is Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 13, ending at verse 23. Page 966 in the church Bible. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, Because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Father, we do thank you for the the day that we may be together in worship of your name, that we may hear your word, that we may receive it and know your life in us as we leave this place. May my words bring us a truth that sustain us in all that we shall do this week, this new year and this new decade. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. How lovely it was on uh, Wednesday when we made our prayer chain. Uh, got all the little bits of paper, wrote the prayers on them, stuck them together, and I hung them up across the top, and down the side, and they fell off on this side. hung it up as a reminder to us of our prayers linking together. And then, when I got home and we watched Call the Midwife in the evening, the high point of that great, lovely story that they give us every Christmas Day is Reggie's longest paper chain in the world. As if we had joined in with this project of Reggie's to get his name in the Guinness Book of Record. And. uh, Every link was made with love, we were told, in the summary. And we wept with joy. And I thought, that, of course, is what Christmas is all about. Except it isn't. On Boxing Day, 11 Nigerian Christian men were put to death by an ISIS group. One was shot... Ten were beheaded. The evil of ISIS continues to fester in our world. And the reality of the Christmas story and the benefit of staying with the Christmas story, especially through these verses of Matthew chapter 2, is that it's as every bit as stomach churning as anything that we hear about in our world. It's a truth which speaks to the very depths of our world and its circumstances. And in these few verses of Matthew's Gospel, we've got this despotic ruler and refugees and the killing of innocent young people in the streets. We've got people seeking asylum in a northern land. What could be more relevant to our world today? The gospel of Jesus is born into a land of trouble and tension and violence and fear. And even so, Matthew sees in Jesus that even in the darkest times there is the fulfilment of scripture. Matthew, more than any other gospel, wants to tell us that scripture is fulfilled. The The other gospels tell us you know, they're concerned with who Jesus is and what he does, but Matthew wants to tell us how all that has been happening brings us to this point. All that has been written about the coming of the Christ is fulfilled now that Jesus is here. How God's Redeemer would appear to set about liberating the people, bringing justice to the world. No point in comfort when the world is in misery, No point in having an easy life when the world is violent and unjust. If he is to be God with us, he has to be God with us in the pain. Now last week from this text I said how uh, Joseph had uh, exercised his guidance, his role as a father and a husband in guiding his family to Nazareth. And in doing so, he enabled Jesus to live out all that uh, God had for him, destined for his life, where he could begin to fulfill that plan, that God-given plan for the world. This is why Matthew wants us to know that Jesus is fulfilling the purposes of God. And so he quotes the prophets of the Old Testament, to help us see it. So when we read in these verses, this happened to, in order to fulfill what was said by the prophets, and so was fulfilled what the prophet had said, when we see those little phrases, we need not to think, ah, a happy coincidence that was written there that Jesus somehow just happened to be in the right place at the right even a happy God incidence it's much more deeper than that and so these texts that Matthew is giving us is revealing a world purpose set from the beginning of time coming to fulfillment in Jesus they interpret the moment they change our perspective they give us a new way of seeing things it tells us what Jesus will do to fulfill that purpose. And the first thing Matthew wants us to see is that Jesus, in Jesus there is success where before there was failure. Success where before there was failure. The Old Testament text he uses to do this comes from Hosea, chapter 1, verse 11. You don't need to be a scholar for that. You just need to see the little... Um, the little letter at the end of the sentence and go down to the bottom of the footnote and you can see Hosea 11 verse 1. Out of Egypt I have called my son. You might think that's quite an obscure text to talk about success in the place of failure. But these words are spoken by the prophet Hosea looking back to that time when the nation of Israel was formed by the coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea in the events of the Exodus. That, That moment of salvation that formed them into a nation by their one shared story. God's son, Jesus, will born amidst the slaughter of the firstborn in Bethlehem, just as Pharaoh kills the firstborn of, uh, of uh, the Israelites, he has failed to be killed by Herod as Pharaoh fails to kill Moses. And Moses leads the people out in the Exodus toward the promised land. Jesus will lead the people in a new exodus, a new deliverance from the captivity of sin and death into the promised land of liberation and ultimately into heaven. Now, the thing is that when the nation of Israel is formed, they are intended to be God's people, God's priestly nation on earth, ministering God's love to the nations, blessing them. But instead, of course, we know they became like other nations. They wanted an earthly king to fight their battles instead of acknowledging God as their king. They saw their chosen status as a privilege instead of a responsibility before God. And they claimed their religious purity for themselves and they despised foreigners. They turned away from God They worshipped idols. They corrupted their faith. They thought God was on their side instead of thinking that they were on God's side. And they failed in their priestly ministry to live as the kingdom people and to minister the kingdom to the world. They were failures in that. But Jesus the Son of God, born in Bethlehem, fulfills all that they failed to fulfill. The nation of Israel comes to be personified in the person of Jesus. Everything they're intended to be is found in him as a person. So being called out of Egypt was to fulfill everything that Israel was there to do. He was to be the success where previously Israel had failed. He's the great high priest living out his calling faithfully in every way. And in his life, in his death, in his resurrection and ascension, there is the complete fulfillment of God's saving plan. The new exodus is the final exodus. And we are free. And so we face this new year with many challenges. But at first, we can be confident by our faith in him. The success of God's plan does not depend on us. God's plan for the world depends on Jesus who's brought it to a successful completion. And when we face the new year, we know that we can face the year with confidence because we have faith in Christ. Acting in faith assures us of success because it's his success, not our success. It's the way that we can be assured that we will inherit all that Jesus achieves for us. And I have to say, though it's not written down, I have to say that if Megate Church doesn't know this as a truth, no church knows this. For the way that the Megate Church has over the years acted in faith and found that God answers the prayer and delivers them from the issues of the day. The second quotation is uh, just as oblique and it speaks of hope where there was despair. Hope in place of despair. The words quoted in verse 18, a voice heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It's a quotation from Jeremiah. You can see that again in the footnote. When the people of Israel, because, broadly speaking, their disobedience uh, to God and their failure to remain faithful, had got carried off into Babylonia by King Nebuchadnezzar. uh, And uh, the hope was lost. All of this promise that they were God's people in the promised land with God living amongst them in their temple, gone forever. They were miles away from the promise, miles away from their land and their God. And Jeremiah looks back to this time and he reminds them, or he's speaking in this time, and he's reminding them of this scripture, a voice of one uh, uh, heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning because her children are no more. There is no Israel and no Israelite nation. But if you go to chapter 31 of uh, uh, Jeremiah, you see the very next verse there where he says, put away your weeping. May your voice not uh, lament and mourn. Your children will return Back, There is hope in the land. So this is, comes in the context of restored hope after the loss. That God would deliver them from their exile. Now when we read this story in Matthew, we can be so shocked by the order of Herod to murder the little children of Bethlehem. Could Herod really have been so bestial? Well, the truth is he could. His deeds are an awesome reminder of how deeply rooted the opposition to Jesus and his kingdom can be in the hearts of people. Truth is, all of us have a Herod inside us that wants to put Jesus to death at the first flickering moment of his life. And many times we'll go to great lengths to eliminate all trace of Jesus and his claim on our lives. Well, Herod was not going to allow Jesus to rule his life. Herod was the ruler himself. In his day, to maintain his power, he had slaughtered the remains of the Jewish high priestly order who ruled before him. He'd executed more than half of the ruling centurhedron in, in his day, that Jewish religious council. He'd executed his sons, Aristobulus, Alexander and Antipater, because he thought that they were a threat to his throne. And he executed his wife, Miriamne, and his, uh, and his mother-in-law, uh, what was her name, Alexandria, uh, because they too were a threat to his kingdom so the killing of 30 babies in a little out of the way town was a minor event for him in fact on the day he ordered on the day of his death that uh, the notable men of jerusalem would be brought out and killed in order that there would be tears on the day of his death he had no qualms about putting to death a few children in Bethlehem. Any possible rival had to be destroyed and it didn't matter who suffered in the process. The slaughter of the innocents was no more than collateral damage. And it's that kind of innocent slaughter, like the slaughter of the Nigerian men on Boxing Day, that raises questions about God. Where is God? How can he let these things happen? Has he forgotten about us? What comfort can there be? Only weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children. Refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Every one of us ought to take comfort from those words. That they are in scripture that say to us, it's all right to lament and weep and refuse to be comforted. That is a natural and perhaps a normal human condition. But the way Matthew gives it to us and the way it comes in Jeremiah, the very context of this quotation reminds us that God renews his covenant promises he has not forgotten us he will not leave us in despair in this child jesus there is new hope and we as we follow the story through that hope is renewed in the covenant sealed by his blood because god does not abandon us to innocent suffering he suffers with us. Jesus dies the innocent death of the children in Bethlehem, in order that their hope may live for eternity. And it may be, of course, in our work and ministry for Christ, that times of opposition and struggle comes for the church and its people under attack. I did occur to me as we were singing some of those Uh, earlier songs about Jesus, the name that uh, we lift high. Would we lift it up if doing so meant that we might be killed for it? Like the Nigerian men this week. Would we be so bold in proclaiming our praises if it were a matter of life and death for us? Because we need to lay hold of this truth that even in those circumstances, God will not abandon us. God is with us, and trouble comes because of it. But God will see us through, because he gives us hope instead of despair. The third quotation is even more obscure than the other two. It comes in verse 23. He shall be called a Nazarene. Well, I told you last week that it doesn't appear anywhere in the Old Testament. It isn't there. And I said then, used that quote to make the point that uh, it was a generic term. A general comment by all the prophets that the Messiah would be despised and that Joseph bringing him to Nazareth meant that he could live out his life according to God's destiny, and that's a good interpretation. That helps us to see something about uh, Joseph that we saw last week that was really helpful. But if you want another insight, another interpretation on this text, <laughs> I was getting there. <laughs> Then it's a pun. It's a play on the Hebrew word Nazir. It comes from Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. The word Nazir means a branch or a shoot. It indicates a a new beginning, a shoot from an old root. Uh, We went to uh, Naughty Woods on Boxing Day in in the rain. And uh, it was mighty raining on Boxing Day and the, the group of us walked through Norsey Woods, it's near Billericay, and we looked <clears throat> at the trees which have had the middle cut out, coppiced, we talked about the word coppicing, and how the shoots have grown up and there are three or four big strong trunks that have grown out of the original one because it's been chopped off. And as we know, if you know about woodcraft, woodland management, you chop those off and then new ones grow. And it's the way that we have managed woodlands for for hundreds and thousands of years, recreating the growth of the tree, the new shoot from the old stump. And Isaiah says there in uh, uh, chapter 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse speaking of the new beginning where there was only an old ending a new beginning from the old root it means that despite the tragic events that surround the birth of Jesus not even despite them but because of them god is making a new beginning. It's part of the plan. God with us means that God comes to the very depths of human misery. And it's only God, only our God, only the God of Jesus Christ, the Father of Jesus Christ, who does that. And because of that, only our God has something to say to the suffering of the world. So this is a new beginning which doesn't come to the same old ending. It's a beginning which doesn't end in failure. It doesn't end in despair. It ends in success and in hope. And we stand at the beginning of a new year and a new decade And there are many uncertainties that face us. As a nation, uh, well, there was that word, what was the word, Richard, about uh, being dragged or driven into things that we are not prepared for? As a nation, we don't quite know where we're going come January the 31st. As a church, as a diocese, we don't quite know where we're going come December, uh, not December, uh, 2025 when there are less priests, not so much money, how will ministry be then? As a church, we don't know where we're going when we've owned this building. We will soon, honestly, I promise. (laughs) Because then we have to think again. How are we going to engage our community with our newer facilities? As people, Individuals, we face all kinds of uncertainties in the future. And there's just one truth I can give you about the future. We shall not all be happy, but we shall all suffer. That is the common human experience. But the beginning of this gospel gives us a different perspective. He gives us Jesus born into our world in all its horror in order that we may have success, hope and new beginnings in the kingdom of God. So may your new year be happy. May you be happy in it and may God bless you with the gift of Jesus. Amen.